If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful just to all of you. It's been some time. We haven't been together for quite a few weeks. I must say that I missed you all and I'm thrilled to be back sharing some ideas, sharing some thoughts and being together with all of you. I've been away and now that I'm back, hope to be with you every year of Shabbos as before to talk, to learn, to take a look at the Parsha and to ask ourselves what can we learn? Given the turbulent times that we live in, the challenging times that we live in, we look to Torah for advice, for guidance, for clarity and it is precisely at this time that we need clarity most of all. After all, the world is in a state of confusion, a state of uncertainty. It's a time that people are looking for answers. People are looking for direction. People are looking for clarity. And Torah above all is something which does just that. This Torah is kiheim chayenu. It is not only something that we accept with passion. It is our life. It is something that directs us how to live. And this is why every time we approach a new parsha, we look with new eyes, we look with searching eyes. What is it in this parsha? What is it that's new? What is it that talks to us to the here and now? What is relevant? What's the message of Torah to the moment in which we live? It's also a very special Shabbos. It's Shabbos Mevorchim. Month of Kislev and Kislev, what a wonderful month it is. A month of miracles, of course, the miracle of Hanukkah, toward the end of Kislev, the 25th of Hanukkah, and Hanukkah is that great miracle, that great story, that great story of human heroism, of human victory, of Jewish victory, of bringing about a spiritual revolution that transformed a nation that unfortunately was sunk into idolatry and rescued the temple from idolatry into something which began to become holy once again. But closer to Hanukkah, we'll talk about that. It's also a time that we celebrate the 19th of Kislev, the release from prison of the first Chabad Rebbe. It's a time of great miracles. Kislev, therefore, is a time that we have to appreciate what a miracle is all about. And as we've often discussed, a miracle is not only a rejection of the natural, it's something which exposes the essence of the natural, because the natural is an expression of godliness, but it's something which covers, which hides the presence of godliness. And the miracle is something which exposes the presence of godliness, something that lies deep within. And therefore, when we approach a month of miracles, it's an energy that brings about transformation and change. Shabbos Mubarakam, the Shabbos that we bless the new month, already has that energy, already has that power, already has that greatness, and therefore this is something that we have to look forward to, the Shabbos, to bless the new month. It's a month of miracles. And what we are looking for, as mentioned before, is not only clarity, it's not only something which brings about answers to the questions that we ask at this particular time. We are looking for miracles, miracles of hope and miracles of healing and miracles of change because the realities, the impact 
of the pandemic that we've been living through almost two years is still very much with us. And it is a miracle that we need. Of course, the natural as well. We're looking for a vaccine that is permanent and clear and will drive away the illness. But we know as well that that too is miraculous. And we need a miracle because it's not the old normal that we want to return to. It's not the old normal that we want. The old normal didn't work. The old normal is not something that we aspire to and hope for. We're looking for something entirely different, something which is greater. We live in messianic times. We live in the hope and the prayer of Mashiach now. And this is the miracle that we hope and pray for. Of course, it's the week after the Shabbos project. And what a wonderful Shabbos it was. A big, huge shout out, a big yashikach to the chief rabbi and his wonderful staff for once again producing this incredible annual event of reminding Jews what Shabbos is all about, not only here but throughout the entire world. And while, of course, with the restrictions of COVID nonetheless, what an exciting and successful event it was. And this is something that we have to, again, give a big yeshukah to our shuls, to our abonim, but most of all to all of you who have participated, each and every one of you who brought something special to this incredible event bringing out the holiness in an otherwise ordinary time. And it was something which was very special. People talk about it. People share. People speak about the experiences they've gone through, the Shabbos project. They say it with such pride. And we who live here in South Africa can indeed say it with such pride because we are privileged to be in a community that has this type of activity, Again, a big yeshikach to our chief who has thought about it, who brought it to our attention, who has brought it not only to our attention, but to the intention of the entire world. And this united wonderful effort that we celebrated last week has a lasting effect. People are preparing now for the next Shabbos project. And please God, may it be in wonderful and great times without any restrictions, because we hope and pray the miracle, for the wonderful miracle of something that will change the difficulties of that which we live in and with. The Parsha, of course, is Chayasara. And Chayasara is an incredible Parsha. It's a Parsha that speaks about the life and legacy of Sarah Imenu, our matriarch Sarah. And this Shabbos, of course, in Hebron, the city of the matriarchs and patriarchs at the Maharat HaMachpelah, the returning eternal resting place, there is going to be a huge Shabbos, a huge festival where thousands of people come to celebrate Rachel Imenu. People from all over Israel and indeed from all over the world, with all the restrictions of travel, people from all over the world come to Hebron to spend Shabbos there, to be near the eternal resting place of Rachel Imenu, our matriarch, Rachel. And they do so because it's a Shabbos that celebrates the life that she lived and the life that she left and the life that she gave each and every one of us. And this Parsha, in a powerful and dramatic sort of way, talks to us about what that life was all about. It wasn't an ordinary life. It wasn't a simple life. It wasn't even a great life in the common sense of the word. It was a life 
that lasts forever. When the Torah tells us, and these were the days, this is the life of Sarah, what the Torah is telling us, this is a legacy that lasts forever. Not easy to create a legacy, but to create a legacy that is eternal, that lasts generation after generation is something which is extraordinary beyond any type of description. And this is what this parish is all about. We'll take a look at it just now. We'll take a but the story of this parsha, the story of the parsha that speaks about Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. We'll take a look at the story of Rebecca, who she was, what she was, where she was raised, the home that she came from, and who she was, and what she became, and what she brought to us, her children, the Jewish people. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha of Chaya Sarah, the life of Sarah, and yet, when we take a look at the actual Parsha, it speaks about the death of Sarah. We've often asked this question, how is it that the Parsha that speaks about the death of Sarah is called the life of Sarah? This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about it. We're talking about Sarah, and how does it all begin? The life of Sarah, a hundred years and twenty years and seven years, and as we all know, they were absolutely consistent. And this is something which is incredibly miraculous in the life of a person to be consistent always, throughout all ages and stages of life. We all go through differences in life. We change circumstances, where we live, whom we meet, how we interact. Sarah was consistent throughout her entire life. Her piety, her beauty, her understanding of life, her devotion to what she stood for and believed in, she was absolutely consistent. And this is the first thing that we learn about in this Parsha. The ability to be Rock steady about that which you stand for and that which you believe in. It's not a question of not compromising. Of course we compromise in life. Circumstances are such we encounter people and we have to compromise. But nonetheless, the bedrock of that which we stand for and that which we believe in is something which is absolutely consistent. That is something that we learn from Sarah. Sarah tells us whether you're seven years old or 20 years old or 100 years old, or 127 years old. This is something which is immutable. It does not change. It is not something which is open to negotiation. It's not something which changes. It's something which is, in fact, permanent. And then we go on to the rest of the Parsha. The majority of the Parsha deals primarily with one subject. Abraham asks his servant, Eliezer, the one who is loyal to Abraham, and the one who is, in a sense, the master of his household. And he says to him, go to my family in Aram Naram, and there you will find a bride for my son Isaac. And he makes him swear. He makes him promise that he will not in any way, in any way, be flexible on this issue. You will find a bride from my family in that land, not from the one in which I live here now, because this is a corrupt land. And my son Isaac 
is a pious, holy man, a spiritual individual, and the women here are not of the type that he should marry. And off he goes. And he comes to the land from which Abraham originally came, and he looks for a woman. And he says to God in a prayer, please bring me a woman. And what does he ask for? Does he ask for a pious woman? Does he ask for a beautiful woman? Does he ask for a woman who will radiate spirituality? He asks for none of that. What he asks for is, God, bring me a woman who will be generous and kind. A woman, when I will ask her, if she will give me water from the well, she will draw water from the well for me and my people and our animals. And she will respond in the positive. Then I will know that she is the right person to be the bride and ultimately the wife of the son of my master for Yitzchak. Now we think to ourselves, isn't that a bit strange? Of all the qualities that he is looking for, he doesn't look for piety, he doesn't look for beauty, he doesn't look for spirituality. After all, he knows about the piety of Isaac. He knows that Sarah was a woman of great beauty. He knows about the spirituality that existed in the home of Abraham and Sarah, and who, in fact, Isaac was. Why is it of all the things that he looks for, is generosity and kindness. And indeed, when Rebecca appears, she's a young girl, and he asks her, will you please give us some water? She says, not only for you, I will draw water for all of you and your animals as well. And he thanks God. He says, this is the right woman. Because he knew the piety and beauty and spirituality was there, as I'll soon explain. But he wanted to know, was there a generosity of spirit? Was there a kindness? Was there an openness? Would this be a woman who would be able to emulate the qualities of Sarah? Sarah, who lived with Abraham, who had a tent that was open to four sides, that was welcoming to all. Would she have the kindness? Would she have the generosity of spirit to bring others in? Not enough to be pious, not enough to be spiritual, not enough to be beautiful. Would she have the ability to reach out to all those who perhaps didn't have those qualities and bring them in into the tent that Abraham and Sarah built? Would she have the ability of being a kind and generous person? He knows that the family of Abraham, Betuel and Laban, were not kind and generous people at all. They were corrupt individuals. They were swindlers, liars, thieves. He wanted to know, did she learn from that, or was she able to rise above it and have a personality that was able to follow the life of Abraham and Sarah. And when he saw that she was, he knew that the other qualities would naturally be there and they would develop and grow together with Isaac. But this particular dimension 
of kindness and generosity was paramount. Would she have the ability of welcoming others? Would she have the ability of creating a warm home? Would she have the ability of opening up her home, her tent, and life to others and welcome others in the true sense of the word and bring them closer to God, to godliness, to the message that Abraham and Sarah brought to the world, the message of ethical monotheism, faith and belief in one God by bringing people closer with love, concern, and devotion. And this is why he turns to God and he says, God, make sure that I encounter this woman who will have that generosity of spirit, and that is precisely what he looks for. And when he comes to the house of Lavan and Basuel, Basuel and Lavan, what are his opening remarks? After all, Eliezer, Eliezer, a man of great importance, not only because, well, after all, he's on a mission from Abraham, and that makes him important, but in his own right, he's a man of greatness as well as we are told. But what are his opening remarks to Besuel and Laban when he wants to negotiate this shidduch, this match of their daughter with the son of his master, Yitzchak? The opening words that he uses is, Evid Avraham Anochi, I am the servant of Avraham. Know full well who I am, regardless of my own qualities, regardless of my own status, which is great. Regardless of what you see, the wealth that I bring with me, my essential definition is that I am a servant of Abraham. And this is what guides me. This is what defines me. This is who I am. And therefore, what I have to say is not negotiable. What I have to say is this is what is going to be. I'm not going to compromise. Because I can't compromise. It's not mine to compromise. This is what has to be, and this is the way it has to be. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. Do we have the ability, the courage, the greatness to say, I am a servant of Abraham? You know, as a Jew, we're often confronted with issues, with challenges, where we have to encounter others, and other things. And how do we begin? Do we begin with an attitude of compromise, of wanting to change? Or do we say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is where I come from. I come from this legacy. I come from this background. This is who I am. I am a child. I am a servant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. This is who I am. And I've been around for thousands of years. And this is what defines me, understand that. And when we have the courage, when we have the ability, when we have the strength and the wisdom to make that sort of statement, we bring out respect in others. We come across as wishy-washy. We come across as, well, there, yeah, I'm a little bit like this and I'm a little bit like that and a, a little bit like the other. Then people look at us and say, well, who are you really? Are you anybody really? 
If you're not prepared to stand up for the wonderful legacy that you possess, if you're not prepared to protect and to demonstrate the fact that you have these incredible qualities, then who are you really? This is the life of Sarah. Eliezer understands that. Eliezer understands the consistency of Sarah's life. He understands that his greatest quality is being defined as the servant of Abraham. And therefore he comes into a very difficult set of circumstances and negotiations. And he doesn't argue. He doesn't negotiate. He simply expresses his identity. And afterwards he says, this is the deal. And what happens? They agree. Oh, they try to finagle a little bit, but they know that they cannot because here is a person of resolve. Not because he's an adamant, arrogant human being, because he's a person of faith. He's a person who takes pride in the fact that he's a servant of Abraham. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the life and legacy of Sarah. How do we know it all came to fruition? Her life, what she stood for, the personality of Rebecca, and in fact, what Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, accomplished. When he brought her, Isaac took her to his mother's tent. And what did he observe? It says that he brought her to his mother's tent and he was consoled for his mother. He wasn't a child. He was a grown man. What does that mean? He was consoled. Our sages tell us he noticed three important things. Number one, the candle that she lit, the oil lamps that she lit on Friday night kept burning for an entire week. Also, the dough that she baked the bread with for Shabbat lasted for an entire week. And the cloud that hovered over the tent and brought shade and protection to the tent returned once again to bring shade and protection to their tent. What was all that about and why did that bring consolation to Isaac? What did the candles, what did the oil lamp of Shabbat represent? The spirituality of the home, the Shabbat candles. And while there was only enough oil for one night, it lasted an entire week. What was that all about? The spirituality of Shabbat was not something which was limited to Shabbos only. It permeated the entire week. Shabbos is not something which is there for one day of the week. It has to touch Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every single day of the week. Spirituality is not something that is relegated to a particular day or place. In Shul, we are spiritual. On Shabbos, we are spiritual. Every single place, every single day, every single moment, we have to be touched by spirituality. That is what Isaac saw in his mother. Everywhere she went, everywhere, whatever she did, the holiness of the Shabbos candles, the holiness of the spirituality of Shabbos was there. Whether it was Shabbos or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, wherever she was, that light was there. And he noticed it in Rebecca as well. She lit the Shabbos lamp. It was there the entire week, symbolic of spirituality lasting into every single situation. The dough. There was a minimal amount of dough, but it lasted an entire week fresh 
What does that mean? The dough represents how we handle the physical, material aspects of life. We don't overdo it. We don't take more than is necessary, and we don't use more than necessary. Even a little bit is able to satisfy us. And this is what he saw in his mother. She didn't indulge. She was a natural beauty. She didn't indulge in physical dimensions more than was necessary. And yet she was able to be satisfied to the nth degree by the little material and physical substance that she had. And he noticed this in Rebecca. That even though she grew up in the house of people like Basuil and Lavan, she had the ability of using the dough, the bread that she made. It was fresh, it was satisfying, even with a minimal amount. That the physical didn't interfere with her life. There was no greed. There was no passion for things physical. She used it correctly and in balance. This is what he saw. What was the cloud? Something which protects the home. Something which gives shade to the home. Something which gives substance to the home. He saw that in his mother. His mother created a perfect home. And he noticed this in Rebecca as well. Rebecca brought the cloud back. In the searing heat of the environment in which they lived, she brought the cloud, something which brought shade something which brought comfort, something which brought beauty into the home. She was able to bring something into the home that as a wife, ultimately as a mother, would bring comfort, which would bring security, etc. This is why he was consoled for his mother. Not only because this woman came and consoled him for his mother, but he saw the legacy lives, the legacy will continue. He will be able to take that which he saw in his parents, Abraham and Isaac, and bring it to his children and his children's children. Well, until Mashiach comes to the present day and beyond. And this is something which we learn in the Parsha of Chayasara. How to take something and make it last forever. And this is something that we have to aspire to. That we have to create within our own lives and teach our children and transmit to our children to have pride in that which we do. And to say with tremendous faith and loyalty this is who we are. We are children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. We are children that have lasted throughout the ages, and the reason that we have lasted throughout the ages is because we have remained loyal to those values. We have spirituality not only one day a week or in some place. We have spirituality in every single day, in every single place. We try to bring such spirituality into everything that we do. We don't overdo it when it comes to material things. Of course we live in a physical world, and of course we are obliged and we use the physical world, but we are not taken to the physical dimension where it cripples us to such a degree that it becomes our total obsession with life. We use it enough, but not more than is necessary. And yes, we try to create a home that is secure, not only secure from a physical point of view with huge walls, with huge fences, with barbed wire, 
but a home that creates a security of well-being, of children that feel comfortable, of children that understand where they come from and where they're going and why, and they are joyous as a result. This is the Parsha of Chayasar. And may Hashem help us that we have the courage, the ability to do just that. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the story. There are wonderful little, well, wonderful little dimensions in each and every single person. As you go through the Parsha, you will see more and more and more of the incredible legacy of Sarah. And that legacy is part of our lives. That's who we are. And that's what we have to become. And that's what we have to share with those around us. That's what we have to share with our children and with our grandchildren. Have a great Shabbos. Good Shabbos.